When the odds are stacked against us, some people give up quickly while others prevail. On today's episode, a story about how to prevail over obstacles. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 281. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show gives you access to the practical wisdom that will empower you to become a better leader. And I'm so glad that you joined in with me today uh, for a conversation about the importance of vision and our careers and how vision and what we want to achieve is so important, so critical. And uh, I have certainly heard about and also experienced the power of a strong vision, uh, not only in the lives of the people around me and the people I've been privileged to influence, but also uh, in my own career too. And today I'm really pleased to be able to uh, welcome a guest to the show who has had such a powerful uh, career and a big part of it has been driven by vision. And my guest today is Collins Oseame. He is the managing partner and senior consultant of Shelter Care FM Consult based in Nigeria. He is also a founding partner of the Corporate FM Alliance, a group of international companies working together on a regular basis to provide facilities management and real estate services throughout the Europe, Middle East, and Africa region. He is actively involved in organizing and hosting seminars and workshops aimed at promoting knowledge, best practices, and development of the facilities management industry in Nigeria and in the African continent. And Collins was recently featured during the opening keynote of the International Facility Management Association's conference here in San Diego not too long ago. And he is the IFMA's distinguished member from 2011 to 2012. And Collins, I am so glad to get connected with you. Thank you very much. And I'm so excited to be here this uh, morning. Oh, the privilege is mine. Uh, We have a mutual friend, Terry Lepofsky, who introduced us. And when I heard your story and just the vision you've had for your career and also the obstacles you faced along the way, I knew right away it was going to be a really enjoyable conversation we'd have today. And because I, I think the importance of vision is so powerful. But before we even get into that, I don't know if everyone in our audience would be familiar with the industry of facilities management. And I'm wondering if you could just give us a snapshot for a moment of what kind of work you do and the value that you provide in the marketplace. Well, facility management is a very interesting profession. Um, Currently, it is one of the fastest growing professions around the world. And uh, facility management to a layman is basically to help optimize your facility management um, processes within your organization. Basically, it's about helping organizations focus on their core competencies so that they can achieve better productivity and help them improve their bottom line. Basically, in summary, that is what we do. We help to uh, reduce costs, and optimize your activities within the workplace. 
you have the privilege or challenge, depending on the day, I suppose, of when you've done your work well, Collins, I suspect it's one of those things where nobody notices. <laughs> yeah, when everything seems to be going well, the air condition is working well, the lift is going on very well, uh, the place is clean, nobody remembers you. Nobody <laughs> recognizes that somebody's behind the scene making sure all of these things are functioning the way it's supposed to function. Yeah, I can so relate to that from a, a standpoint of having run training programs over the years. Uh, it the the room, the uh, setup, the furniture, the facilities, the um, the temperature, the people putting on the event sometimes don't take the time to think about that. And when it's working great, it works great. But when uh, when it's not working, uh, everyone notices immediately. It really does impact people's ability to learn, do work, be productive. All the things you just mentioned. Yeah, that, that is why we are very valuable to any organization. That is why we believe that any organization that understands the role of facility management it is able to create what we call competitive edge. You didn't start your career in facilities management, though. Where did you start your career and why did you make the change? Oh, my goodness. Well, as a young man, I did not read facility management in college. I did not even know that a profession called facility management existed while I was in university mm. until after some time of my graduation. Uh, I was very uh, fortunate to be very good uh, with my grades in college. I, I made a distinction while I was graduating from uh, school and I was so passionate about my uh, first career. I was really determined to make it to the top. And when I got into practice, I noticed that the the, the desire, the zeal I once had to practice this profession was beginning to to dwindle. And I I had also made a commitment to myself as a young man that I'm going to be world class in my chosen profession. But that wasn't going to happen based on the circumstances that I saw around me. Things were not done with the way, the way I felt should be done. There were so much sharp practices. People were not true to their words. There was corrupt practices all over the place. I was so disillusioned. I was frustrated. So if you would allow me, I would say frustration drove me into thinking about an alternative profession because my current profession was not giving me what I really wanted in life. And at some point, uh, I had to call myself to, to a very important meeting, and I asked myself some very critical questions. Am I happy doing what I'm doing right now? And will I be happy doing it for the rest of my life? I also asked, what legacy will I be leaving for my children? And what impact is my profession making to the world around me? And the answers to this question made me to think soberly, and I wanted to really go back to school to start all over again. And I did not want to make the same mistake I had just made. Um, So I started looking and making, conducting research on a career path for me. And it was in the quest to look for something else to do that I stumbled. I would say I stumbled on the profession called facility management. 
it sounded fascinating and uh, well I, I wanted to investigate it further i needed to know exactly what these guys who are called facility managers do and how they do what they do so i began to study up on this course but unfortunately around that time in nigeria there was no much information about facility management for instance you won't find someone who will introduce himself as a facility manager or no university was offering facility management at that point as a course. So there was very limited information about facility management. And uh, the little information I got online, I was able to uh, find out that there was a professional association based in, in Europe that uh, was taking care of facility managers. And um, I said, well, it would be a good place to start. So uh, I immediately signed up as a member of this association. And I began to receive materials from them, journals, uh, magazines. And the more I got really uh, connected with this profession, the more I was fascinated. And I had a desire to go see for myself who these guys that refer to themselves as facility managers truly are. I wanted to make a connection with these people. And um, I, I, I got another opportunity to attend a conference or a course that was organized by this association. And I immediately signed up for it and they sent me materials. And uh, because I had to travel to Europe and at, at that, this point in my life, I had never traveled out of the country before. And I needed to obtain my visa to enable me travel out at that point, I, I applied to the embassy, and unfortunately, my visa application was refused. I applied over and over again, up to about five times, and on five different occasions, my application were refused. And I had paid the conference fee already, or the, the cost fee, which was totaling about $3,000 plus. Oh, wow. And when I requested for it, they told me that, sorry, the company that was organizing it on behalf of the association had gone bankrupt. So I lost a total of $3,000 plus dollars as at that time from my meager earning. And that would have put me off immediately. But I was still determined to know more about this profession. Well, that's really uh, interesting to me because I, I think one of the, the fascinating parts of your story to me is that there really wasn't anyone who was in facilities management, like you say, um, in your country, and there weren't any mentors or schools. And of course, at the time, the internet wasn't nearly what it is today as far as being able to get access to information. Uh, when you were at that point where there wasn't anyone around you, you weren't able to get out of the country um, to attend the, the conferences. What was going through your mind? Well, I, I would say that um, the vision that I got from reading those materials and hearing about some of the things that um, was being done by the professionals within the profession, looking at some of the things that I posted, paint a picture in my heart. It gave me an idea of what this profession can do for businesses in my country and turn around the fortune of this nation if we, that is Nigeria, if we are able to understand fully the 
the value proposition for facility management as a profession. And I, I was consumed by that passion. I, I felt that there is so much we can benefit from this, if only we know what it's all about. Uh, rather than just sit back and just assume things, I kept on looking and uh, trying to check out what this profession was about. And I received a burden. That burden would not leave me alone. I had a desire to truly see that some things that was currently going on in my country changes. And that passion was what kept me going. Even though I could not see anything in the physical that I can hold on to, but that passion drove me. Even when friends wanted to talk me out of it, that you're wasting your time. What is this that you're talking about? We don't even understand what you're saying. But the fact that I could relate with some of the things that I have read up uh, in the magazines that I, I was being sent to kept me going. And the, the fact that this has a huge potential, because before now in my country, we, we look at assets as a waste, like, a, like a disposable item. The government can spend $2 billion building a new airport and uh, they allow it to rot. Then they, they are, they, rather than maintain it and keep it the way it was the day it was commissioned, they just allow it to, to, to go the way, uh, or they, they wanted to take care of itself. And there, there was too many wastage and leakages in the system. And I felt that it's as a result of lack of understanding, lack of knowledge, that we see a lot of this happening. For instance, if you come to the Federal Capital Territory uh, where I live, you have a wonderful um, stadium complex built by one of the renowned construction companies in the world. But government just allow it to rot. They mm. spend billions of dollars to invest in infrastructure, but they don't have an idea of how to keep it going to make it um, sustainable. And that, for me, was a big burden. And uh, that just kept driving me to really understand how I can add value to turn that fortune around. Collins, you've used the word vision a number of times, and many leaders have heard the word vision and know that as leaders, they need to cast a vision and set a vision. And yet, I find that very few leaders, either in their own careers or for their own organizations, really do that well. And one of the things that really strikes me about what you've said and and your work and your career is just the power that vision has played in keeping you moving forward. What did you do to get good at that? Or is that just naturally how you've been your whole life? Well, um, I, I would say I'm privileged. First of all, I'm privileged to be connected to God because he is the author of all inspiration. I, I believe that that is what creates the passion that I have because he plants a burden in your heart and shows you a vision. A vision is something that you may not see the end, but he opens it up to you, gives you an idea of what you need to do, where you need to move from point A to point B. And that has 
come to shape my my vision and uh, help me to stay focused on the passion within me. Well, I can hear that passion and that focus in your voice, and it 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 seems that. It, it really supported you in so many of the challenges you faced, especially early on in your career. And, uh, you know, as you were trying to apply for visas and get to conferences and not having people around you who knew anything about the industry, um, it, it, it's the kind of things that a lot of people would call failures early on. Um, and yet it helped to really move you forward. And I'm, I'm curious how you view failure and obstacles in the context of your vision. Okay, uh, I was also very quick to know that failure should not be something that scares you. I, am, I would consider myself as a risk taker. Having not any idea of what you are going to face, traveling some thousands of kilometers away, you don't have a lot of money to throw around, to buy a ticket, you just wanted to go see, that in my opinion is risk. And once you are a risk taker, Failure is secondary. You don't fear failure. And failure offers a tangible representation of what can be done better. According to Thomas Edison, when he was asked that you did an experiment 100 times before you were able to discover uh, the source of light, he said, well, I only discovered 100 ways that lights cannot happen. So in my opinion, that is how I see failure. Failure only comes to strengthen my resolve to get things done better. And it also offers me a time to reflect on what I am doing. If you try and you don't succeed, you don't run away. You just um, wait and say, well, what did I do wrong? I, I thought I was on the right path. So it puts you on your track and, and says, well, sit down, look back, and re- review some of the things. And in the process, you are able to discover some of the things you did not do very well. I remember one time I, I, in my quest to bring this same um, concept of facility management to my country because I believe education is very key to helping people understand what a new idea is all about. So I, I tried to organize, I've organized a couple of conferences and I had successful breaks in the capital city of, of Nigeria. And someone suggested we go to uh, some states to, to have a similar conference. Well, it did not turn out the way I would have expected it. For someone, it would say it's a failure. But rather than throw in the towel and say, well, that is it, nothing works. Rather, on my way back, I had a voice within me, it's time to go international. You have played on a national scale, you have played on a state scale, now go international. In my opinion, that was bizarre because that was coming from somewhere, you know, frustrated by the fact that you didn't do so well in this last conference you just organized and something is telling you go set, uh, go, go international. I, I, I was not prepared for that. But the truth was, I had a burden for the whole of Africa because I traveled a bit around Africa and I saw the same problem we have in Nigeria is what is also happening elsewhere in Africa. So I, I, I said, okay, but that thought wouldn't leave me. So I kept postponing it or pushing it aside. But 
I connected with some people in Ghana and they, they were excited to have me come to Ghana and had all expense paid trip to Ghana. And we had a wonderful time. And that was where the Accra chapter of the International Facility Management Association was born. So, so that, in my opinion, is don't give up even when things don't seem the way you had planned for it to come out because you may never know. The failure is just maybe a way of pushing you to the right cause and, and making you see a bigger picture. Uh, you may be limiting your potential by what you're doing right now. Until you fail, you may not see that you have a greater impact to make to a greater world. So if you are not willing to take a step, you may not be able to uh, make a difference in your world, especially when you choose to stay around your comfort zone. You don't want to be seen as someone that has failed. Well, it means that you may not be able to make a difference in your world. I know there are people in our audience who have, if not the same interest in the same field, the passion that you have for your profession and your work and and adding value to people's lives and to serving your country. And I suspect that for some people that it is frustrating that the people around them in their industry and in their organization and and, and even in their country don't share that same passion. And you've been through many obstacles to get to where you are today. And I think most people don't have the same obstacles you've had, and yet you've achieved really great results with them. How do you handle that for yourself when working with others in your industry, um, in your country, who don't have the same passion, don't have that same commitment to vision that you do? How do you, how do you influence in that situation? One of the things that many people don't know about themselves is the fact that they are not just here by accident. You must find something that gets you excited. There is something that is locked up in your inside that is craving for expression. You see, many people are doing things that they don't have any business getting involved with. Some people are doctors today because their parents talk them into becoming doctors because they feel that is where the money is. Some people are lawyers today that uh, are in law because someone they look up to told them to read law. So that tells us something, that until you find your button, until you find that one thing that keeps you going, even if you are not paid for it, What is that thing that gets you so excited that even when you are not going to be paid for it, you'll be happy to do it? That is one problem that I see many people around me have. They are just doing what they are doing for the sake of economics, just to get by. And such people cannot make a difference in their profession, in their career. They may just be able to be successful in terms of money, but solving that problem that the profession was designed to solve may not be what inspires them. That is why we have a lot of people who miss 
appropriate government resources because they believe that I'm in government to make money. So they go there and steal all the money. But if you can find that one thing or that thing that ignites a passion in you, you are able to express yourself at your highest level. And unfortunately, not many people have asked themselves those, that honest question, why am I on earth? What am I here for? What mission have I come to fulfill? But they just see the latest profession in town and they jump at it. You don't say, oh, it's, it's, it's uh, engineering that is the most uh, viable option right now, so go study engineering. No, it's that passion you have. I know medical doctors today, but they are musicians. They don't have any idea of where the hospital is because they don't <laughs> practice medicine. So until you find that one thing that ignites your passion, please look for it. Collins, I suspect that there are a number of people here in North America that don't have how can I say it, as positive a view of Nigerian business culture as they could. And part of that's just due to like spam messages and scams and things that have been featured in the media. Since you work internationally so much, how do you navigate that? And what do you want people to know about your country? Okay, thank you very much for that very interesting question. This is a question that has been asked all over the world. And I, I wouldn't say that it is something that is far-fetched, uh, that is not true. Nigeria, like any other country of the world, have the bad, the good, and the ugly side of it. And um, as a Nigerian, I was confronted. First of all, why was I refused or denied entry into Europe? Because every Nigerian that is trying to travel is a suspect. You are going on economic uh, migrant status. You will not come back when you, when you are given visa, especially when you are not very well established. So that I have been confronted with it on every front. Sometimes I'm going into a country, I'm at the point of entry, I am strip searched because I am carrying a Nigerian passport. But those things are just regular things that does not mean anything to me because as a Nigerian, we are aspiring to build this nation because this country has so much potential and 95% of the good side of Nigeria is not uh, given media attention. The only 5% that is not so good is what the media magnifies. Now, for me as a Nigerian, I see this nation as a blessed country. Very blessed. We have numerous natural resources. We are the sixth largest producer of oil. We have great minds. Nigeria has a lot of educated youths. We have so much potential. Our population is huge. Uh, as at the last count, I think we have over 170 million people. So we have so much potential that 
people have not seen. Now, there, there is a situation where, like I said, less than 5% of the people are creating the havoc that is publicized all over the world as a, a corrupt country um, full of scam, which is popularly called 419. Now, when we want to address the issue of 419, you see, people who are greedy are those that fall victim. You never did a business in Nigeria, but someone is telling you that your payment is pending. So give me um, 500,000, whatever the amount is, so that we can wire the money to you. And you know within you that you did not do any job in Nigeria. So why <laughs> would you listen to such people talk to you? So Indeed. I see that this is only fueled by greed. However, the situation has become a lot better now. The government is cracked down on those perpetrators. It's no longer a safe haven for them in Nigeria. You know, when you look at the bad side of what you hear, or if you look at the negative picture that is being painted by the media, you tend to write Nigeria off. But there are some things I tell my friends when they'll tell me that, ah, Nigeria is a no-go area. Because unfortunately, the only thing you know are things you read and watch on TV and read on the, uh, in the newspaper. We have our unique challenges. That is not to say to excuse Nigeria from, from uh, what the media is saying, but it is not as bad as what media is painting. Now, there, there, there is a lot of issues in Nigeria, which we are working on right now. Corruption has been a bane. Many people know how corrupt Nigeria is, but that is being dealt with as we speak. People are beginning to see that it is not fashionable to steal uh, public funds anymore because people are being made to pay for it daily. So we invite people who have the opportunity to uh, invest to come to Nigeria to invest in which Ever sec in which sector of the economy you are interested in. And like I said, we have uh, a huge percentage of our population as educated youth. So, and they are not engaged right now. They don't have what they do. So if we have people who really have the interest of Africa at heart or Nigeria at heart, we welcome them to come invest and share their concept ideas with us. You see, we are tired of receiving grants and aids. Come teach us how to fish. If you keep on giving me fish, I will constantly depend on you. But rather than give me fish, teach me how to fish. If you teach me how to fish, you have fed my family, you have fed my extended family, you have fed my city, you have fed my nation. So that is how I see Nigeria. Collins, you have been an example throughout your career of learning and growth. And as you know, leaders are always learning and growing. What's something that you believe today that you didn't believe or maybe weren't even aware of five years ago? 
You see, there is something that I learned recently. Um, it's making sure that you don't allow the opinion of others to talk you out of your destiny. Don't allow what the establishment have set to, to make you think that you cannot achieve your goal or your objective. Collins, you are an incredible ambassador for your country, and you're also an incredible ambassador for the power of vision in one's career. And I am so grateful for you taking time to share your story with us, to inspire us, and for uh, giving all of us some things to think about that I know will really move us forward and keep us challenged. So thank you for that. I am very grateful for it. Thank you very much. I'm indeed very grateful. Thank you very much. Collins, the pleasure is mine. Thank you. Whenever I hear a story like Collins' story, I wonder if I had faced so many of the obstacles uh, in the place I lived and in the opportunities in front of me in my life and career, uh, how I would have faced those or handled those. And uh, Collins' appearance today is just a reminder to me of a lot of the blessings, the resources, the opportunities I've had for a whole lot of reasons, including where I live. And a reminder to me as well of the responsibility that so many of us carry in order to give back to others. It's easy sometimes to forget about or to forget about all the things we have and to focus on the things we don't have or the things that aren't working. And yet for many of us, so many things are working so well, and we have so much that we can give back to others. So thanks, Collins, for that reminder. And thank you to all of you for your support over the last week or so as the Coaching for Leaders Academy applications have been open. And I'm so grateful, especially for so many of you who attended the live webinars this past week. It was great to get to interact with a number of you live. And as you know, today is the final day for Academy applications. That's uh, today, Monday, January 23rd, 2017. It's the last day I'm accepting applications for this current group of the Coaching for Leaders Academy coming in. If you are looking for the right development solution for you this year that will help you to be not only become a more effective leader, but to build relationships with others in the Coaching for Leaders community that will provide the intimacy, the engagement, and the personal attention to help you to develop, including a personal relationship with me, I hope you will consider applying for the academy. And you can go now to coachingforleaders.com slash academy before the end of the day today in order to still apply. And if you were on the webinar last week, you heard this, but uh, for to thank those who are applying, I'm also thanking you with two bonus gifts. Those gifts are number one, a free PDF download when you apply for the academy, 11 crucial books that every leader should know. You'll remember if you've been listening to the show for a bit, I had a previous list of books that I've now updated, changed, and uh, updated with some new books that have come out since then. And uh, it's a great list to get started on your reading this year. So those of you applying for the Academy will get access to that. In addition, I'm also providing a free MP3 audio cast. Uh, it's like a podcast, but it's not going on the podcast feed here. It's just for the folks who are applying for the Academy. Uh, and the title of it is How to Massively Improve Your Professional Presence by Being Helpful 
online, one of the questions I often get is, how do you put together those weekly leadership guides each week? How do you track down all that information? How do you write, you know, where do you find the best stories? And I, I am at the point now where I put that together in almost about an hour a week, sometimes a little bit less because of the systems I've put into place. Uh, and I do it all myself, uh, but I've got some good systems in place that help me to be as efficient and effective as possible and to then share value with others. I go through in that audio cast exactly how I do it step-by-step, step, uh, give you a full overview because I think that so many of us, almost everyone, by the way, can do something that's consistent that will help you to build your professional presence online. So that's part of the uh, of the thank you for applying to the Academy as well. And again, if you'd like to apply, go to coachingforleaders.com slash Academy. You'll see tons of information there, a video from me, videos from some of our current members, and all the information on the Academy itself. And uh, if the Academy isn't right for you now, I would certainly suggest that you activate your free membership on the Coaching for Leaders website because if you do, you'll get access to my free 10-day audio course that's titled 10 Ways to Empower the People You Lead. It is a great start if you're just beginning listening to Coaching for Leaders on some of the key principles that will help you to lead more effectively. If you'll give me 10 minutes a day for 10 days, I'll help you to get the most immediate practical actions to become a better leader. And to get access to that, just go to the main homepage at coachingforleaders.com and you'll see a place where you can activate your free membership on the website. And it gives you access to a whole bunch of other things as well too that we don't have time to chat about today, but go check it out and uh, you'll find so many resources that are there. Now, a few episodes that are related to today's conversation with Collins I was thinking about uh, the the topic of inspiration, and uh, if you go back to episode number fifty five, I had Carol Taylor on the show. She talked about how to lead in a crisis. So we talked about some of the strategies she utilized when she was navigating a university through a very very difficult time. In fact, a university that almost closed its doors. It's the university Bonnie works for, Vanguard University, and uh, what that experience was like as president of that university, and what she and her team ultimately did to navigate navigate through that. It's a fabulous story. Episode 55, How to Lead in a Crisis, is where you want to go for that. Uh, another great story is Everyday People, Extraordinary Leaders. Olivia Klaus was on the episode 103, and she told the story about how she got together with a group of people, put together a documentary film, and ultimately helped change the laws in the state of California. Uh, it's a fabulous, fabulous look at uh, domestic violence and the importance of community work and the leadership that she provided in that. So many lessons for us as leaders, even if that's not the kind of work that you're doing. Again, that's episode 103. And then finally, on episode 171, I would also recommend checking that out. Allison Klaus was on the show, and the topic of that episode was Five Ways to Avoid Living with Regret. Allison wrote a book on this, and she went and researched funerals. That's right. She went and uh, went and researched all kinds of different funerals over the course of a year and tried to figure out the question of what are the things that we can do in our lives and our careers now to avoid living with regret. She wrote a book on it and I got together with her uh, back on episode 171 and we talked about what are the things all of us can do to avoid living and working with regret? I'd certainly encourage you to check that out. You can get to all those episodes by just going to coachingforleaders.com slash the episode number. And hey, remember the next Q&A show is coming up on the first Monday of the month. 
You can submit your question for consideration at coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. Have a great weekend. Get those Academy applications in by the end of the day. Thanks. Bye.